History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Welcome back, everybody. Ed Martin here with Andrea Kay, our special recall election night coverage, uh, breaking down all the inside details, what's happening, starting to hear some results. And uh, this hour, we'll hear from a couple of what I would say are leading conservative voices. Pete Peterson is the dean of the School of Public Policy at Pepperdine. He'll join us. And also later on the hour, we'll talk with Lan He Chen, who is running for controller of California. That election is in 2022. I bet um, he's looking at the numbers tonight and saying, how does this play out? So it, so far, a lot of coverage on the major news networks and other places saying, hey, we're seeing the numbers. It looks like it's overwhelming. Uh, we'll see. I think this hour, the next hour, we'll get a better sense of some of those things that we're breaking down and we'll see what the numbers look like. What I hate about this is you'll see big networks make a call. Yeah. Oh, we're going to call this and it will be early. So it looks like it's, you know, right now it looks like it's like 67%, uh, you know, against the recall. That's guaranteed to tighten up. I mean, that's, there's no way that's the final number, but that's how they'll lock in the narrative at this early hour. So let's be a little patient and see. And, uh, Andrea, I know, um, you know, we've been listening to different callers, reports from the, uh, down at the, uh, uh, at the election authority, hearing what's going on. Hard to know right now, but it certainly doesn't look good. It's, well, uh, the, well, the numbers are breaking against what I think you'd need to see to see this be successful. Well, here's what, what I'm confused about. 22 million mail-in ballots went out. And as of this morning, 8 million had been counted. And as of this morning, when those 8 million had been counted, which is now what still, still the total is about 8 million, right? As of this morning, when 8 million had been counted, it was evenly, evenly split. Tonight, now the eight, they're on, on the basis of 8 million votes. They've now got it, uh, some, some outlets calling it a 60% for Newsom. And, and those, that doesn't, add, that doesn't add up to me. 22 million mailed out, 8 million in as of this morning. We know more going to come in. And I, and, and, and that concerns me that the idea will, how many would even be voted at counted at this point if it's already called for Newsom. I think we've got Tom Dell back on the line with us. Um, and oh, I'm, I'm glad he's back with us because Tom Dell, but Carl, man, talk me off the ledge. What's going on here? Well, only 33% of the votes have been counted. So, and we, and that's early voting by the, which was dominated by Democrats. Three weeks ago, Democrats were 58% of the ballots and Republicans were 26% of the ballots. Last week, that moved down to 52% of the ballots were Democrats. So, as I said earlier, this was going to look like a, Republic, a Democrat domination, a Newsom domination early on, because we have convinced Republicans not to vote by mail. And worse than that, we've convinced Republicans not to vote at all. And so, yes, very early on, uh, it looks completely dominated by Newsom. This will close. Will it close enough? I don't know. You know, but what, what? I, had to, I wouldn't bet my house that it would. But the reality is that um, 
you know, it's a Democrat-dominated state. You had all-mail-in voting, which was a joke, because there's, if you can go to a football game and stand in the, sit in the stands with 80,000 people or your kids can go to school, then you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't do this mail-in voting. No, and in fact, that's one reason why um, I was pulling my hair out to hear a so-called conservative on an, on another station here in San Diego, um, you know, frustrated with his wife, why she just didn't do her mail-in ballot two weeks ago, and then she could attract her vote, and just like extolling all the, the glories that are the mail-in ballots, and it's like, that's fine if you want to be honest about the fact that you're a liberal, but don't call yourself a conservative when you're touting that kind of nonsense, because, um, you know, that that's um, the... the, the, the the fraud is being perpetrated under the guise of convenience and the, you have a right to vote. You have a right to vote. You don't have a right to have um, the the ultimate of convenience for yourself because that just makes way for fraud. Yeah. Look, I, I months ago, I warned people that the reason why he's holding on to his emergency, so-called emergency powers is because he wanted to extend vote by mail. Yes. And, and and so, you know, I get that, but, you know, I, I'm going to say very forcefully, and, and if you want to imply anger in my voice, feel free. These Repu- Republicans who think that because voter fraud exists, therefore they shall not vote again or not try are dooming this country. But that, no, that I got to. I don't think that that's what's at play here. I don't think that. Any, no, I don't know. I know, any, it, but, for, I know it for a fact. You do? Because I don't know I anybody staying home. I don't know anybody staying I've, home. I've been on the trail for a year. We would do our presentations. The first question I got was, yeah, but there's voter fraud. They are obsessed with it. Obsessed. Voter fraud is as old as voting. It used to be much worse than it is today. Right. And, and uh, yeah, and let's we and we had that discussion earlier and I'm sure everybody heard that. And I hear you and I and I understand your frustration because no matter I, I went out and voted and I voted in person. I'm wearing my I voted sticker. So um, did I. Right. So um, um, let's advance the, the conversation because um, you your prediction was right. Using the same numbers that had already been in today, 8 million voters, um, all these networks are calling it. The numbers are going to change, um, but the, them calling it for Newsom at this stage changes things because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what's to motivate the registrar of voters to make sure that every, every ballot gets counted going forward if it, the race has already been called? Well, California is the slowest in the country at, at- counting votes. If you look at 2020, um, they took, you know, in 2016 and 2018, they went all the way to the end. Uh, um, you can't, the law requires every vote to be counted. I'm not saying, look, <laughs> again, I was the first in the country to write about voter fraud in the 2020 election and how it was done in Milwaukee. So, right. uh, so I, I can't say that all 58 registrars and remember LA County is bigger than 52, 42 states, but um, it is a painfully long process in California and they tend to just go forward with it mm-hmm. all the way. So, uh, well, that's you know, good news then. Look, that's good news then. If they, if you think they're actually going to count any of the, are. and okay. I think this gap will close, you know, but again, there's probably five. I, I was just on Newsmax. 
there's probably five million, five and a half million Republicans in this state. We may only get two and a half million of them to vote. Really? That's okay for those Republicans not to vote and participate because what? Because yeah. it's not worth it to them? <sighs> yeah. Well, um, the other question is a lot of, you know, of course, the autopsies, the blame game right now is on Larry Elder on Twitter, which infuriates me. No, I, no that, that's, that's ludicrous. Let's, let's be very clear. Now that the election, the voting is over, I, I want to put it, I want to end that discussion right now. Larry Elder put more money into this race and more voter contacts than all the others combined. Wow. Before Larry Elder got in the race, there was no dynamics on the Republican side. I like Kevin Kiley very much. Yeah, me too. He didn't have the money and he doesn't have the personality and he was just meandering. Yeah. Kevin Faulkner is never going to win no. this race. No, never. Because he's been overhandled his whole life. And look, I like Kevin. I know Kevin. I've known Kevin for over a decade, but he has been overmanaged. And, and that has had results. He's been over-consulted, and yes. that has results. Uh, it wasn't until El- uh, Elder got in the race that you saw real intensity, much like, uh, you know, look, I write history books and columns. I'm going to make this analogy. Before Sarah Palin race, John McCain would have been wiped off the map. Yep. We didn't get volunteers in this country until she got in the race. It's not an exact analogy, but the truth no, it's is it's a good one. That Larry Elder brought intensity to this race. It's also true that Gavin Newsom lied his way and they focused on him and said this was Trumpism. Okay. And the media fell in line with him finally. But you know what's also true historically? Um, that as elections approach People start to focus, and the Democrats focused more. Six months ago, they didn't care as much about Newsom. Now they seem to they they seem to have rallied a bit. So we'll see ultimately. But I, all these armchair quarterbacks telling me what Larry did or yeah. didn't do, I'm just going to yawn at this moment at them because great, you suddenly you watch one election and now you've decided everything that's going on. Good for you. But <laughs> as I said on Newsmax, this is the beginning of a movement. There are no, as Churchill said, and I've always been comforted by this, you don't lose until you give up. Michigan didn't become, didn't get a Republican governor overnight. Pennsylvania didn't. Wisconsin did it. And, and we need, and so this is the start of a process. If the party is smart enough to, to, to go along with it. And also, there are three parts to an election. There's the campaign, there's the voting, and there's the vigilance of the counting of the votes. And Republicans need to be engaged in all three. And for anyone out there who thinks, oh, there's no point to voting, great. Then you deserve your fate. I agree with you there, because no matter what I've done to, to and I know that Ed Martin, who's run, who's been the head of the elections in, in Missouri, um, you, you've you've got to get on. I, and I, I, it galls me. You weren't even on at this point, Tom. I was talking to earlier. You might have been back in 2012. You know, people not, you know, conservatives, if the just part of the Christian vote had come out in 2012, Obama would not have had a yeah. second term. So I don't understand really? people that sit at home and don't vote. It just galls me. It kills me. Um, anything you want to add, Ed Martin, before we let Tom Debacaro go? 
No, I look, I think, uh, as I said, Tom, I, I, I'm with you. I encourage you. You know, I work for the late Phyllis Schlafly, and notwithstanding, a lot of people know her from her conservative positions, but she was a very practical politician. You make progress in politics uh, in, uh, you know, uh, three yards and a, and a cloud of dust. I mean, that's there's very few Hail Marys mm-hmm. and home runs. And I think I think um, what we need is these elections to yield, as you said, Tom, renewed interest in building the local constituencies. Uh, of mm-hmm. voters, right, and changing the the dynamic. And as much as I like some of our national politicians, and I I'm a big supporter of President Trump, you can't solve everything by a president. In fact, that's right. proven now. We have to solve it uh, on the ground up. So I think Tom, you've again, when history's written, you've you've been a part of uh, starting a movement or uh, you know putting uh, crystallizing it. I think that's going to yield a lot of results. Thank you so much, and I appreciate Andrew. All, all your support in this process. And this, this is, you know, this is the beginning. Yes. And I thank you for your efforts. And a lot of people might be surprised to know that you worked as, for these 14 months. You haven't been paid. You haven't been on no, the dole. Zero dollars. Not like these consultants, zero. these consultants that get paid big bank off of fundraising. And, you know, you've been working hard and this is a labor of love because you actually care about the state and you care about forwarding conservative, you know, principles based on the constitution, that of individual liberty, uh, you know, uh, individual accountability, free markets, you know, et cetera. And so, um, however this turns out, I hope, you know, and we laugh a lot, but I hope you know how much I appreciate you and your efforts. Hat tip and, to Tom. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that you can look at this and, and feel good about what you've accomplished. You know, it was considered a miracle that the, that uh, there enough signatures were verified to actually even get to this point. And that's because of you and your efforts. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks so very much. We will talk soon. All right, hon. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back more on our night of special coverage for the recall election. Um, 888-344-1170. If there's anything you want to say about that, we've got some special guests ahead of us and more. So stay tuned. The Andrea K Show, strictly adhering to and preserving our First Amendment. Follow Andrea on OurFreeNation.org. Just search Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Ed Martin here with Andrea Kay. Special election coverage, recall election night, uh, breaking down things, getting some guests on. Our next guest is Dean Pete Peterson from up at the uh, School of Public Policy at Pepperdine University. He's the Braun Family Dean, uh, excuse me, occupies the Braun Family Dean's chair, also a senior fellow at the Davenport Institute. Uh, if you don't know the pub- School of Public Policy, you ought to check it out. Um, they, I think uh, Pepperdine and the school has uh, done a bunch of stuff with Salem Radio Network and very impressive place. And, and uh, Pete Peterson, as dean there, has a perspective on both California uh, politics and the national impact. So uh, welcome, Dean Peterson. How are you, sir? Real good, Ed. Great to be with you. Hey, let me ask you the first question, because one of the things that I think I told you recently in a discussion, the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say one of the most important things she ever did was run for office and not win because she learned how the system worked. And you were a candidate for secretary of state in California. I believe it was 2014. Obviously, I didn't succeed. I don't mean to remind you of that. But on a night like this, watching returns, watching the size of California, you know, it's bigger than most nations. I mean, it's got media markets and a 
election authorities. How hard is it to really know what's gone on as you're watching, you know, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night? Well, it's super difficult. I remember on, on our election night back in 2014, they actually did not call the race that night. It was still that close at the end of the evening. It was called the next morning. But in this situation with the recall, obviously, uh, there are so many different variables. I've, I've said frequently that it's so hard to uh, understand from polling how applicable those numbers are going to be for a recall election like this. Uh, at the same time, I understand, of course, that the election has already been called. But I'll say at the same time, I, I think that uh, to attempt to map this election, even against 2020, uh, I think we're still going to see a tightening of this race with a number of Republicans in particular uh, who waited until Election Day to turn in their ballots. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, Dean Pete Peterson of the, the uh, School of Public Policy up at Pepperdine University. And uh, Dean Peterson, uh, one of the things that you the, the school there does is uh, work on uh, what you call civic participation, getting the uh, uh, people that are in public life to engage, kind of trying to fi- find ways to build communication. Another thing that uh, that you've uh, you yourself have um, uh, talked about and written about is uh, the future of conservatism. And so on a night like tonight where lots of conservatives or at least say center right voters have been motivated to go out to the polls, they're seeing the wrong direction in the uh, Governor Newsom's conduct on pick a topic on the economy, on uh, forest fires, on the covid. Uh, But, you know, when you don't win, you you know, you sometimes you go home less energized. How do you in in California now, how do you encourage people in this participation when it feels like they're losing, not winning? Well, I think you have to look at this particular election, uh, the recall, as being fundamentally different than what we're going to see uh, almost beginning immediately with the race for 2022. I think we are looking at first a fairly tight window of a campaign season. And so many of the issues that uh, anger and, frankly, enrage California voters, not just conservatives, but but those on the center and even the center left were not really addressed by uh, this governor uh, was not forced to be held accountable for in this recall election, Uh, whether we're talking about homelessness or uh, fires or the cost of living or the state of our education system. Uh, And of course I could keep going on and on. Uh, Newsom never stood for, Uh, any sort of debate on these issues. He was never really held accountable by the media for these issues. Uh, And I think what we'll see starting almost immediately as we get into the the next election cycle, which again is only uh, a little over a year away, is that the uh, that Newsom is going to have to be held accountable for those things. And so in many ways, I would say for conservatives, we understand in California that for a chance to win a statewide office, we have to grow. And, and, and to do that, we need to attract others on the center and the center left, uh, those that President Reagan once said of himself that he didn't leave the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party left him. 
And I think we are going to see when the final vote is tallied that there are going to be some opportunities for smart Republicans to begin to grow the coalition that is obviously going to be necessary to have any chance of success uh, to win statewide. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dean P. Peterson. One question I know Andrew Kay is going to, I got his question uh, too, but I, I want to grab one more. We were talking earlier, if Gavin Newsom survives um, and, uh, you know, it looks more and more likely he survives with a in, in, increased national profile, increased uh, awareness amongst the Democrat base. I mean, you know, you don't have to look that far uh, to realize that governors of California have had an outsized national impact. Earl Warren is the one that jumps to my head other than Ronald Reagan, but even, of course, uh, Jerry Brown running a couple of times. I mean, Gavin Newsom becomes a national figure. He's almost the opposite of Andrew Cuomo, isn't he? Andrew Cuomo messed up and was knocked off the stage. Newsom seemed to mess up. They tried to knock him off the stage and he survived. Sometimes if you know, you're know you going to shoot at the king, you better kill him. And, and in this case, he may be stronger than any Democrat in the country. Am I overreading that? You know, I think you are, Ed. I, I think one of the things that's come through, at least to me, over the last few weeks in particular of seeing Newsom on the campaign trail is that I really don't believe uh, that he has now the opportunity uh, to be a credible statewide candidate. I, I found him in new ways to be fairly unlikable. Uh, he, he comes across in a real monotone. He really talks down to people in many different ways. I think that the French laundry incident is one that's going to follow him for the rest of his political career in many ways, because it does fit a way that he is understood, I think, by many to be elitist, uh, to be unsympathetic to the, to the plight of Californians that don't send their kids to private school, that aren't able to go to elite restaurants and, and dine out for, you know, with with others and their children. Um, I think he really has shown himself to be quite removed. Now, the party is obviously powerful. He seems to have won a fairly resounding victory here, but it seems to be much more on the defensive than the offensive. And to be a credible nationwide candidate, uh, you're not going to be dealing with a state in which uh, or with a country in which the registered Republicans are 25 percent, you know, you're going to have to mm-hmm. you're going to have to yeah. repeal across the board. And I just don't see Newsom as being that likable national candidate uh, that that we've seen in, in uh, having national success. Um, Andrea Kay here. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with you there. I think he's he's Velveeta, right? He's the process candidate. He's about as likable as Kamala Harris. I'm more concerned less about him on the national scene down the road because I got I, I I I came up by way of the Deep South, and there ain't nobody there ain't nobody uh, you know east of Arizona, in my opinion, that would vote for him nationally. What I'm concerned about is from a policy standpoint, him feeling like he's got a hand on his back to push for through executive order all kinds of Mussolini esque stuff. I mean, he admitted during the coronavirus early days that this gave him the opportunity to implement programs that he had never had an opportunity before. Are you concerned? And in what policies do you think he might enact with executive order now that he feels like he's got he's got a little window here to just an, an empowerment to do whatever he wants to do? You know, Andrew, I, I think you do put your finger on something that is is uh, concerning. At the same time, I think it is going to be extremely important 
to wait for this entire vote to come in. If this vote tightens up within 15 points or so, I, I think that Newsom needs to be very careful uh, being just a year away from the next statewide election. And in that, it is going to be a much longer cycle. So if if Newsom does go fairly radical, if he is emboldened by the results of this, uh, it's very possible that a, a, through a longer-term election campaign season uh, that, that you could certainly see Democrats breaking away uh, from what I think is an increasingly radical, uh, progressive Democratic Party. Well, it remains to be seen what the final numbers come into being. And um, I thank you for being here. Anything else with uh, Mr. Peterson, Ed, before we, we wrap with him? No, no. Let me just say thank you. And I, and I encourage people to take a look at the School of Public Policy up at Pepperdine mm-hmm. uh, University. Dean Pete Peterson, thank you for the time and for your insight. And we'll look forward to hearing from you again. Great to be with you both. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're going to go to Rich Ryle from the San Diego Registrar Voters oh, Office right. for a little Good. update. One of our last updates. What you got for us, Rich? I am just, I am stunned. I went up, got the results, just like everybody else. Everybody in the parking lot, all the people that were around here, nobody can believe that it was that lopsided in favor of the governor. The people that I talked to all voted yes. We're just, we're looking at each other. We're asking ourselves, what happened? Somebody, somebody said, can we believe the electoral process? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm shocked. I mean, everybody that walked by us and and talked to us, thumbs up. We were all happy. It was, it was for sure we were going to win. And then when we see the results, people are packed up and leave. The radio, the other TV stations, they're picking up. They'll be gone in another couple minutes or so. But we'll stay here for a while and um, we'll try and we'll try and pick up what we're going to you know we we went out we campaigned we got the recall we got it put it before the voters and we thought for sure the voters would see it our way i haven't got a clue i'm just as shocked as everybody else tomorrow is another day this is the republic of america we are a rule of laws if they followed the laws and there is nothing wrong with this election then we have to recognize that we have to beat the COVID virus, the hogwash virus in the courts, because the people of the state of California, if, if, this, if the results are to be believed, have voted for the governor. And the governor is the poster boy of the hogwash virus. So if you believe in the hogwash virus, it's a stunning victory for, the, for those who believe in the hogwash virus, because that's what this was all about. This was about whether or not California wanted to accept the hogwash virus, and evidently they do. That's actually a great point before we take a break, because the exit polls show um, that uh, when it came down to the issues, uh, it, the number one issue for the voters was COVID and coronavirus response. And so it re- really begs the question, uh, Ed Martin, that I want to explore with you after the break, which is we can survive a Gavin Newsom. We can, and as a nation, we can survive a Joe Biden. But can we support voters that would vote for either one of them and to save a governor who has destroyed the state? I think that's the question of the day, regardless of the outcome. So I'd like to explore that when we come back. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Facebook at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. And connect with her on OurFreeNation.org. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Just reading some tweets online. We are here with our special election coverage tonight. Me, uh, Andrea K., as well as Ed Martin from the Pro America Report. And before the break, I was telling Ed that I wanted to discuss the fact that um, I think we could survive a Gavin Newsom, we could survive a Joe Biden, but can we survive the people that would be as irrational and as insane after this man has destroyed the state while he sat? When you couldn't, you couldn't own your business. You couldn't operate your business. You couldn't go into a church. You, if you were at 65% of minority-owned restaurants in the city of Chula Vista are permanently closed while he sat in French laundry with no masks, no distancing, with a $12,000 wine bill next to the same the government, uh, California health department officials, that anybody would, would vote for him is, is, a, is really what's causing me distress tonight. Yeah, he whined and dined while you and I were locked down. And people are voting for that. People are voting to keep that. That that's that's worse to me than anything, Ed Martin. Well, and I think, again, what we have to see, I thought Dean Pete Peterson was helpful. Um, you know, obviously, we, we were, were, were knee deep, uh, you know, almost three hours into our coverage. And I think you and I expected as we prepared for tonight, we'd have a longer night, more to see. You know, most of the uh, most of the the, the um, media outlets, not just the ones that are rushing to judgment, CNN and others, but some, you know, our own Salem Radio Network, they all have seen the numbers enough that they're saying, hey, he's going to withstand this recall. But what Dean Pete Peterson said is change your expectation. And if you change your expectation a little bit, um, then you say, okay, if this tightens up, let's um, let's uh, let's you know, let's let's make a judgment on, you know, yes, he survived. But if he survives by 58 percent of the vote, that's a much different thing in a California than not. So. Uh, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens again. I, right. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And one of the things that I don't think we should underestimate, Andrea, and I know this frustrates you. It frustrates, uh, 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 the DJ potato skins there too. But, um, the effect of the narrative machine, which I describe so often, big mm-hmm. tech, big media and big government on how people view and feel the COVID pandemic is much different than, I think we can we often realize meaning big tech and big media is so effective mm-hmm. at scaring people and big government is so effective at driving that messaging. It has an impact that is um, very different than we think. I mean, we, we think as we talk about this, hey, aren't you seeing this? Aren't you seeing the willy nilly enforcement, the encroachment of your rights? Aren't you seeing the inconsistency? You know, the other night at the Met Gala in New York City, oh, here they all are, all the big shots, rich people, no matter. Masks. All the serfs and slaves are wearing masks mm-hmm. as they, you know, yeah. carry their train on their stupid dresses. But you know, so we, we're, you and I are saying, don't you see this? Right. Please, can't you stop this by voting to recall this governor? Do it's as I say, not as I do. Feel because of the po- because they don't, the, the narrative machine is so powerful. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a co- combination of things. They've got it's a combination of big tech, mainstream media. They, none of none of the mainstream media covered. The story of uh, what could have been the first black governor. And by the way, if if the Democrat, uh, you know, cared about uh, 
uh, equality. And if they cared about lifting up black people and black men, they would have been supporting Larry Elder, right? No, instead they called him a, a white supremacist. And none of the mainstream media covered the story of him being attacked on a street by a white woman wearing a gorilla mask. Um, so, it, it, but there's also there's also the other um, leg uh, of the chair, and that is our school system. What we what we have now is we we are now into into people into their 30s who are coming out of indoctrination centers, formerly called education centers, that have churned out socialists for the state to where they're all emotion-based. There's nothing rational. When you look at what this man has done to the state, it's irrational. It should have been a landslide against Gavin Newsom tonight. It, I'm not even looking at the outcome, which is yet to be determined. I'm just saying in general that anybody, after what this man has done to the state and destroyed the lives of so many, um, and, and the crime across the state, the the homelessness encampments across the state, that have, uh, the scourge of what this man has done, the wildfires and on and on and on, that he could have any support today is astounding to me and distressing to me. Because He's a tyrant. It's, it's, yeah, because it's emotional. It's irrational. And I don't know how, we, just like the fears that you talked about, the irrational fears of people um, th- that from the, the fear that was in, it implanted into their brains, I don't know how we, and we have to figure out as conservatives, if we're trying to launch a movement here, how we turn that around. Your thoughts? Well, I, I, I tell you, you know, I, Andrew, you and I have talked about it a lot. Um, I've spent a bunch of time in the last six months with General Mike Flynn, who mm-hmm. General Flynn is, you know, regarded as one of the most important uh, counter-terrorist uh, thinkers and practitioners. So, you know, he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of experience, a lot of uh, intelligence, obviously, is, is, you know, is wisdom. And he talks about local action, national impact and driving down to the local level because it, it, we keep trying to have these fights uh, and sort of win this national debate. And it's very difficult to do. And at the yeah. local level with the school board, county board, you know, county board. And what we heard Dean Pete Peterson of Pepperdine's uh, School of Public Policy say uh, pretty quickly now. It's going to be congressional races, House or U.S. House races. Forget about Senate. You just talk about a House race. Well, that's 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 local, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can get involved in a local race, and and you know, I think Republicans, if I can step out of my uh, radio commentating hat and put on a hat as a strategist for the Republican Party, I, if I'm supporting Republicans, I, I'm primarying everybody at this yeah. point. I yes. would primary everybody. I would drain the swamp of every incumbent until they can prove, not just say, but prove that they're going to be different than what we've seen. Yeah. And this this next election, 2022, is going to be a drain-the-swamp election. And uh, so I think it's drive your attention to local, U.S. House and and more local, and try to build up from there. I think that's the best we can do. We need some counties in California yeah. to stand up like we've seen and, and fight back against this uh, stuff. We need some sheriffs to step up yes. and be the leaders under the Constitution you know, the role of the Constitution for sheriffs. That's the kind of movement that I think in the long run will be both attractive and successful. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we, we've got it. We've been conservatives have been focused for too long on half the time. Tom Dubcar is right. Uh, not enough. Get out and vote half the time when they do. It's only for president or congressional races and completely ignoring what should now be really obvious to the voter at, when, with everything that happened with the coronavirus. What are the most important? What, what really affects your life more on a day to day basis? Is it really the president of the United States or is it your school board? 
Is it your sheriff? Right. Is it your sheriff that went along with these crazy COVID, you know, shutdowns? Uh, and the police that went around harassing business owners that stayed open, which, which they really had every right to do. Uh, in here in San Diego, um, Nathan Fletcher should be run out of town on a rail, right? Can, uh, from San Diego County, uh, supervisors. Uh, water board. I mean, every local race, everybody needs to, to, to get involved. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to continue the discussion and we would love to hear from you if you're not wore out. 888-344-1170. And uh, why, don't we, why don't we try to lighten it up? Let's think about some good news inside of this. I know uh, Kevin Faulkner is not going to be governor. There's my good news. Spin on the day. Stay tuned. Bringing you 21st century common sense. It's the Andrea K Show. Connect with the show at ourfreenation.org. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. All right, welcome back to our live special election uh, coverage of this uh, momentous California recall election of which uh, most of the media is calling it already for uh, Gavin Newsom, even though at the point at which they called it for Newsom, Ed Martin, uh, only 2% of LA County had reported yet. Yeah. Look, I mean, that, that if you don't, um, if you don't trust these institutions and many, many people don't, you just shake your head. Uh, you know, in this case, I'm seeing enough of the uh, authorities Meaning, you know, um, again, uh, our own Salem uh, radio network is calling it. I think people are looking and seeing. But the question I have, again, I'm back to, I, I, and I, I certainly don't advocate for Pyrrhic victories. You know, it's a loss. The loss is a loss. On the other hand, let's see what the numbers are. Let's see how close it gets. I got to say, if it's within 10 points, most conservatives across America are going to think it was stolen. I'm not saying I have yeah. any proof of that. I'm just saying that's how people are going to feel. And yeah. uh, it's understandable. It's understandable. So uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what uh, let's see what happens in the next uh, uh, few you know few hours and as the numbers come in. Yeah, and um, I'm going to be looking more at uh, the Republican vote versus uh, Yam. At, well, I guess a Republican vote could be switched to to Democrat, um, but but I, I really don't see that. I think if there is fraud, it's going to be more in just the use of the mail-in ballots where they're flooding it with, you know, illegal ballots there, not flipping Republican votes. Um, but I, I, I will be curious to see how much of Tom DeBocaro's concerns that just Republicans didn't come out to vote is really in play. And that's discouraging to me. You know, when I look at, you know, we just conservatives t- take even taking this recall election out, Ed Martin. Now, are you not agreeing with me that when we look at, at conservatives, we just don't fight as hard as the Democrats do? Oh, I agree with that. Look, I think I think it's, there's a couple of reasons why. One, there's a good reason, which is that uh, conservatives tend to be people who abide by rules and they abide mm-hmm. by, you know, ultimately, you know, things like the Ten Commandments and, and Scripture. But so cheating and just seeking power has limits. And on the left, they don't care, right? That's just all it's about power. But the second one is, I, I look, I, I have talked on my radio program for months that one of the impacts of the cancel culture is to make, to raise the cost, emotional, social, fiscal, mm-hmm. whatever cost, sometimes physical, of being out there with your voice. And yeah. what happens is a lot of people just sort of back down. They, they take a step back. And I'm not judging them. I'm describing it. And so when you say we're, conservatives aren't ready to fight, that's an, uh, that's an epidemic. 
yeah. of people who are, are just a- afraid of, uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not judging, I'm describing, but they, yeah. we have to break through that. People have to be willing to put their uh, name on the line, if not their life on the line, because stranger things have happened in history then people stand around and watch something really special slip away. And I know like it's a little different, but I remember back history. when it was Mitt Romney running, uh, people, uh, Christians, Republicans, wouldn't stand up and vote for him because he was Mormon, and there was a lot of votes lo- lost there. Right, uh, exactly. And so there's apathy going on. There's purity tests going on. Uh, that was a purity test. Um, and not it in... Um, and you're absolutely right, Ed, in terms of people not wanting, we've, we're too comfortable and too cushy and, and too many of us don't want to, don't want to, we don't want to feel any pain. We don't want to have to put ourselves out. It's, it's easier to go along, right? It's like water that always finds the path of least resistance, right? Uh, as it moves. And right. that's kind of how conservatives have become. And the problem that they need to realize is that, that it's only going to get worse. You know, that kind of compliance, all it does is embolden. It's, it's why, it's why it was a disaster to think that the Taliban are our partners, right? Uh, because it's like, you know, uh, kowtowing to bullies never ends the problem. It only emboldens them and makes it worse. And that's so, you know, sitting back and taking the easy route of being submissive and being compliant, that to get us our rights back with COVID did it. No, now it's just got us in a never-ending, put your arm out for, for a booster as we move along to the society of where we're cashless and everything's on a device and you're, you've got a social credit score and you better submit to everything that they want. The ultimate council culture is coming if we don't stop this Marxist movement and technocracy movement in our country. 30 seconds, wrap us up this hour and take us into the next. Well, I think, you know, next hour, we've got a couple more guests. We're going to keep looking at the numbers. And I think, you know, as we do on our show every day, Andrew, our shows is we also, as you said, uh, we look forward. What are we what can we see that's the positive going forward to build mm-hmm. on? Uh, how do yeah. we you know, again, I think you mentioned uh, some things. I, I will say again, Larry Elder made a great impression yeah. for this country and for what's going on. So there's a lot to be looking at. We'll cover some of it next hour and a couple good guests and uh, a lot more. So it's the Andrea K show. Ed Martin with Andrew Kay. Uh, recall election. We'll keep breaking it down and be right back after the break.